to let me know Should I stay or should I go Hello everybody and welcome to episode 12 of Hardly Committed. I am TJ Walker and we are going to talk some basketball recruiting. Joining me is Nick Roush and the guest for this podcast this week is Kristen Peak from Rivals.com. She does all your favorite videos, highlight videos. She is at more events than just about anybody and she gets more sit-down, one-on-one interviews with these recruits mm-hmm. than anybody else uh, that, that I know. So She gets a West Coast perspective, too. Yeah, she yeah. is stationed in L.A., originally from Colorado. I think you are really going to enjoy the interview with her. She tells a story of Khalil Whitney and Jada McDaniels nearly throwing down, fighting oh. each other in the middle of a game. Oh. And then uh, I don't want to ruin the story for you, but that is, is really good. Because she said basically both should have been kicked out, but because all the college coaches were there to see both those players, they just let them keep playing. But she'll tell it in more detail a little bit later on, and she'll give some insight on pretty much every Kentucky target that they're currently looking at, save Oscar Shubway. Uh, we didn't really get around to talking about him, but that's what we will do here today, and we'll was, talk about all these guys. I'll give you my opinion on these on these folks. Was she in Colorado Springs? She was this weekend for the USA mini camp. That was a big deal, and we have a better insight into a lot of recruitments after they spoke with the media. Vernon Carey says he wants to play with an Isaiah Stewart and a James Wiseman. Isaiah Stewart, all of a sudden, everybody's backing off their crystal ball picks to Kentucky for Isaiah Stewart and having him go to Washington or Michigan State, one of those schools. So I'll give you a little insight there. And then Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt, they will be visiting Kentucky and just uh, depending on when you're listening to this, but this weekend for for Big Blue Madness. So it's going to be a a loaded episode, a big episode. And let's get right into it. I, I don't see... I don't see why we wouldn't, Nick Roush. And by the way, for the Annex today, we're going to do a Halloween episode. It's October. We'll get to that at the end. This is where I want to start is Oscar Shubway finishes his official visit. He returned from West Virginia on Monday, Morgantown. And I talked with his coach on Tuesday. I don't know what days you're listening to this. I need to say the dates and not yesterday's. I'm still getting used to this aspect of the podcast. And his coach, kind of, his coach gave me the, the classic, the visit went good. If I had a nickel for every time I heard that, Nick Roush. You'd have a lot of nickels. Yeah, I wouldn't have enough to retire or do anything like that. But At least a full piggy bank. I would probably be able to get like a nice, well, not not a nice meal, but like I could go to the fast, I could go to like Taco Bell and, and pick several, like king. several things. Yeah, yeah. I, I could definitely fill myself up on some greasy food. So, uh, but the visit went great. The visit went well. They talked about how West Virginia, and this is this is what I knew they were going to do, and this is what they should do. It's a head versus heart thing. Oscar Shubway, I think, wants to go to Kentucky, and I'm not backing off that opinion one little iota. I do. I think he wants to go to UK. I think a lot of people around him and his host parents, most specifically, who were Konate's host parents, as we talked about last week, they want him to go to West Virginia. And I think Oscar is okay going to West Virginia. I think he likes West Virginia. But I think it's a head versus heart decision. So what does West Virginia do? When talking with Tom Droney, his AAU coach, who has been on the Hardly Committed podcast, he said this was a much more than basketball visit. Mm-hmm. They showed him the, univer- the, the the academic side, the universities, the classrooms. He had never seen any of those before. And he's been to Morgantown a, a handful of times. But he had never seen any of those before. Cool, cool. Uh, he, they 
they they stepped away from the basketball facilities and just let him hang out with the team and the coaches and they didn't even talk you know basketball and and, and that sort of deal so they they definitely were trying to pull on the family aspect of it this is you're, you're going to come here and you're going to play basketball but there's more than basketball and if you're West Virginia that would be the way to go about it to be honest with you because you're not going to outsell Kentucky on being a basketball player at said schools you can't out Kentucky, Kentucky. you can't out Kentucky Kentucky you're not going to you're not going to impress them with your track record of NBA dudes after he just gets back from Lexington you need to try to pull at what got you in this spot and that's relationships and that's exactly what the Mountaineers try to do. So Tom Droney said in seven to 10 days, he'll make his decision. And I took that as not make his decision in terms of, I know where I want to go. I took it as announce his decision in seven to 10 days. And he said, after this weekend, they think they'll set a date within that seven to 10 day time frame. So you could be looking at anywhere from next Tuesday to next Friday for an official decision from Oscar Shubway. I asked him if there was a leader because Tom Droney has been pretty honest with me about the leader aspect of this. He said before, right when Kentucky offered and started to recruit the guy, he said, yeah, I mean, West Virginia is the leader. He likes Baylor. He likes Illinois, but West Virginia at this point is the leader, but not far enough to, to have a commitment. So it's obviously open to, to this point. So that being said, he visits Kentucky. I ask, is West Virginia still the leader? And he said, you know, no, I don't think so. I think uh, he didn't say Kentucky was the leader, but he basically said he's got a lot to think about. He doesn't know who his leader is. After the West Virginia visit, and he's been pretty honest with me, I wanted to see if he would tell me if West Virginia is the leader after the WVU visit. And he said, no, I don't think there is a leader, to be honest with you. I don't think as of today he knows Ooh. where he wants to go. And uh, that's kind of the vibe that I got from him. So we'll see. Uh We'll see. I'm sure Kentucky will go visit him again. My guess as of today is is West Virginia will ultimately win out just because they've put in a lot more legwork. And it's so hard to for a kid to tell parents and influencers no, uh, to tell them, people that he lives with, no. So I like Oscar Shubway. I think he's a really good player. Uh, I And this isn't to say, like, he does not want to go to West Virginia. I think, like I said, I think he likes West Virginia. I think he likes Kentucky a little bit more. We'll see if Calipari can pull out something. He did do the – so he took four official visits, Baylor, Illinois, West Virginia, and Kentucky. He's not going to Baylor or Illinois. He did the thing where, like, you take pictures. And I don't know – like, I've never seen a recruit at Kentucky put on the jersey and take pictures. Have you? Does that come to mind, Nick? Um – I mean, the Scotty Lewis pictures weren't. Yeah, but those they, weren't. They, they weren't at Kentucky. They weren't at Kentucky. And those big, were just the cheap, like Chinese jerseys that yeah, people can buy on the big, internet. It's a big football. Football is a huge. Yeah, that's and, like their thing is yeah. doing the photo shoots. But I don't. I can't think of any in basketball off the top of my head. I can't either uh, at Kentucky, but other schools love to do it. So he did it at Illinois. He did it at West Virginia, and he took pictures on Instagram. He didn't put any pictures of his visit on Kentucky at Instagram. I'm not reading into that. It was funny when he did the Illinois one, though. What did he say? Not committed? Yeah. Well, <laughs> guess what he did with the West Virginia one? What? Not committed. Oh. Big, all caps, not committed. So. Nice dude, and consistent. Dude's not committed. Uh, and he wanted people to know that. You so might I, say he's hardly Well, committed. no, he's hardly not committed. Well, actually, that would carry the one. Uh, about about two. Hardly committed. Hardly committed. All right, sure. We'll go. We'll go with that. So, uh, I still think it's open. I still think Kentucky has a chance. But if you ask me today, here on October tenth, two thousand eighteen, I would lean towards West Virginia just because I think I have got a bad feeling. Maybe, maybe the parents went out here. But uh, again, 
the host parents, that is. I hope I hope I'm wrong. Uh, the dudes from from Congo, and uh, I don't think host parents should be influencing decisions. But that's neither here nor there for me to uh, to decide. All right, I want to do something uh, a little different. I, I want to go to the interview with Kristen now, and then come back and answer questions because the interview with Kristen was one of the longest ones we've had with a guest. Okay. So I don't want to keep this. Po- I don't want to have an hour and thirty minute podcast or an hour and forty five minute podcast. So let's go to this interview with Kristen now, and then we'll answer your questions, and we'll maybe, cover all our bases. Maybe there. talk boo boo madness. I feel like that's a big thing to. Yeah, talk about. but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, I'm not so excited. You're not you, excited you, for you Big Blue Madness. You know how I feel about Big Blue Madness. What? You know how I feel about it's, Big it's, Blue but Madness. But people get really excited about the Big Blue Madness and guest I'm not, list. And I'm not telling people shouldn't be excited. And it is a big recruiting event, and we will talk about that. We'll talk about it. I just don't get excited to like go anymore, which I won't be able to go. Well, that's, gotta, well I'm not talk, I'm go talking about who's going. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. I, I, yeah, I talk about it a little bit with Kristen, but we'll get there. I, but I want to answer their questions. We'll work it all in together. Yeah, we'll figure uh-huh. it out. All right, here's the interview with Kristen Peak of Rivals.com. All right, and now on Hardly Committed, Kristen Peak from Rivals.com and Yahoo Sports. She is, if you've seen some highlight videos of some of your favorite recruits, she's the person that is filming and editing and putting them all together. And Kristen, you do a great job of that. Thank you for coming on the podcast and talking some recruiting with me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I will talk basketball anytime, any day. I love it. Uh, that's what we like to hear. Uh, now, that being said, the first question for you, and, and every the segment after we have the guest on, we just answer some of the questions from some of our, our listeners, and they're all generally UK-related. But somebody, Chris, sent in a, a tweet, and he wants you to answer this question, and it's not basketball-related, but I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it, so I'm curious. You have ran a marathon uh, on every continent, correct? Yes. (laughs) Okay, every continent, all of the continents you have ran a marathon on. Chris wants to know what would be your Mount Rushmore of marathons that you've run in your lifetime, and what are the top three marathons you would want to run in that you haven't ran in, and why? So a little marathon question for you, uh, and you don't have to give four and three if you don't want to. You can do like two and two or just however many you want. So what are some <laughs> of the marathons that stand out to you that you've enjoyed the most, and what are some that are still on your bucket list? Um, well, I don't know if anybody ever really enjoys a marathon, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but now that it's been so many years in the past, I can go back and think, oh, it wasn't that bad. That was, that was pretty great, but in the moment of it, it's horrible. Um, I ran this marathon in the south of france it was a wine tasting marathon and there were 22 wine stops in 26 miles and that was awesome so that would be my number one oh my um gosh. antarctica just because it's antarctica and you know only 100 runners get to go down there every year and so you're running a marathon and then you look to your left and you're like oh penguin weird like this is <laughs> this is weird i'm in antarctica this is crazy so those two, definitely for sure. The other ones um, I ran, I guess number three would be the Athens Classic Marathon, just because it's the original marathon where you finish in the Olympic Stadium, like oh the historic God. Olympic Stadium in Athens. Um, and then the Great Wall of China Marathon, because you're running on a eighth wonder of the world. That one was horrible. That one was the worst, right? Like it, you're going up and down over 5,000 steps. Yeah. And the course is 26 miles, so... Um, not fun, but pretty memorable. I would feel like that would be more of a step climber marathon than actually like a running marathon. It was, you know what? Like, so 
uh, towards the end of the race, there were people just sitting on the wall because they couldn't go up and down any more steps. Their legs wouldn't allow them. And then they would wait for the medic team to come and just, like, help them off the wall. Like, it was crazy. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, don't. Don't don't do it. Don't sit down. Keep going. <laughs> what what do runners wear in the Antarctica marathon? Do you have like does that make it tougher that you were maybe having to wear winter clothes while running twenty six miles? Yeah, it was crazy. So I obviously I had a few layers on like my legs. I think I had like three or maybe two running pairs of tights or two pairs of running tights and then in the middle of it I put like wicker long underwear just to insulate the heat but then you bring two pairs of shoes and two pairs of socks because you're not running on a trail you're running in ice and snow and sleet so your shoes get soaked and your feet freeze so then halfway through you change your socks and shoes and off you go oh my gosh Right. <laughs> that sounds miserable, but I guess if you enjoy it, I mean, it's 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 cool that you have done all that and you can tell those yes. stories. Are there one or two that you that you that are on your bucket list that you want to do that you haven't been able to yet? I mean, I'm I'm semi-retired just because I had <laughs> knee surgery. Yeah, <laughs> my doctor's like no more. Yeah. But I would love to do New York. I would love to do Berlin. I heard is the most amazing marathon. Like it's just picturesque. Boston, if I could qualify, but you know that would. That would just be, yeah. you know, just a dream. Well, that yeah, that is really know. that is really exciting. You're probably like, I didn't think I was going to come on a basketball recruiting to- podcast and start with some marathon talk. But that is a, a, I don't know anybody else that has ever ran a marathon on every continent. So you're you're unique in that sense. Well, I'm sure you're unique in other senses, but that uh, <laughs> that that's something special. And uh, I'm glad that we were able to talk a little bit about it. You were, you still are in Colorado. The USA basketball mini camps was were over the weekend. A lot of Kentucky targets there. Two Kentucky commitments there, and Khalil Whitney and, and Tyrese Maxey. What can you what what stood out about those two over the weekend? First, before we get to some of the targets, Khalil looks good. He looks stronger. He looks more confident. It's, he looks like he knows he's as good as he could be. Um, I think being committed to Kentucky, it's kind of taken a weight off his shoulders and. Him and Tyrese um, played really well together. They weren't on the same team, but you could see it in some of the drills, like they were trying to connect and build that chemistry. Tyrese is, I mean, he hasn't skipped a beat from the summer. I feel like he needs to put on a little more weight, um, but all guards do. I feel like at this level from high school to college, that's an easy transition. But his shot is still, I mean, he shoots dimes, even with a someone like Matt Hurd in his face. It's like, oh, you're going to come with your... With your hand up, no problem. I'll knock that down. And then in transition, he's just seeing people that, you know, I'm videotaping, and I'm like, "What? How did he see that pass?" <laughs> like, it's um, it, they they both played really well. Um, and then I think Khalil sat out the last day, um, just to rest and everything. It, it was the strangest thing. Um, a lot of kids sat out, which for USA basketball, it's usually, you know, they they have something to prove. They want to play. They want to get better. And they were probably. I don't know, 15 kids that sat out for various reasons. Like Cole just showed up. Cole Anthony just showed up on Sunday. That's it. Hmm. Just to watch and show his face. Um, he took the SATs on Saturday and then flew in on a Sunday. So um, it was just, it was a different vibe for a USA basketball event. And this is going to start becoming more of the norm, right? Doing camps like USA basketball since the NCAA is going to try to nix as much as AU recruiting as possible. So did it did it have a it, it seems bizarre, especially the way that it ended, but it did it have a good feel up until then? 
Um, yeah, and, you know, they did something different this year where they brought in the younger class, um, the twenty nine or 2021 and 2022 class, to kind of get early eyes on, on those kids, and they've never done that before. Um, the way they ran it was fine. It's not – you're not going to get the same thing at a USA basketball training camp or a regional camp as you do at a peach jam on a Saturday with these two teams playing for something. Like, you're never going to be able to recreate that in these camps, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the one thing when you when people like you and I, we cover recruiting, we look at, we're like, how do you, how do you get that? How do you get a Boogie Ellis that comes out of nowhere on peach jam? Like, you can't get that in a regional camp because, to be honest, he's not going to be invited to it. But he will shine on a stage like peach jam. Yeah. Yeah, and that's oh. going to be something that's going to be different for for the kids and certainly college coaches and, and us that are following these events. It's going to be a change of pace, no doubt about it. Let me ask you one more Khalil Whitney question, and then we'll get to some of, of Kentucky targets instead of their commitments. He seemed to have some uh, – he's always been a recruit that a lot of schools have really wanted, but in terms of the Kentuckys and the Dukes and the Kansas, he didn't really come onto the scene until late in the summer – you have followed him longer than that. What is different about his game now that continues to have him rise in the rankings than, say, just maybe six months ago? He's always been an explosive player. Um, he just He's had the pieces. He just hasn't put them all together in a complete game. I would say the biggest improvement that I saw in him from last year to this year was his mid-range game um, and also uh, just his like his pure power, you know, he could always dunk, but he wasn't going up. Like say if he went against like Armando, uh, Baycott, you know, yeah. like he was trying to like lay it in, but this time it's like, Oh no, no, no. You're going to come at me at the rim. I'll meet you there. And it's like, he's dunking on him. <laughs> so I think that is the biggest improvement from Khalil's game. I remember I was walking, I was just walking through the gym in Dallas in the first weekend of, um, AAU basketball this past spring. And, they blew the whistle, and Khalil just, like, with authority, had this dunk, which the entire gym was like, what? And everybody turned. So that was when I was like, oh, wow. this is a new Khalil Whitney. <laughs> so <laughs> it seems like almost a certainty that Kelton Johnson will be a one-and-done for Kentucky this year. It seems like Khalil Whitney will slide in and, and, and have that athleticism, explosiveness, and, and, and be another elite wing for John Calipari. Exactly. Okay. Exactly, yes. Okay. Uh, Perfect transition player. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? John Calipari, for the longest time, was having to do three guards because he was having a tough time getting wings, true wings. Uh, he got Michael Kidd-Gilchrist in 2012, and then after that, really nobody until, I guess you'd have to go with last year, Kevin Knox, who who played all over for Kentucky, but you know they missed out on, on Jalen Brown, and they missed out on uh, Miles Bridges. They missed out on a lot of other wings, and it's not like Calipari didn't have a track record with them. But they were just they they were having to do three guards every year. But now it will be back to back to back, having some elite wings. I know he's happy about that. However, seems like Kentucky maybe going to struggle a little bit finding a true two guard. Scotty Lewis picks Florida, which uh, we I heard he had a really good weekend and and did some nice things. But they're now prioritizing even more so Keon Brooks and Jaden McDaniels. How did those two look, and, and did you get to talk to either one of those about their recruitments? I did. I talked to Keon, um, and uh, he hasn't been on his Kentucky visit yet. I think he's going to be a tough pull from Indiana for sure. Yeah. And when I look at, like, I mean, I know what you're saying with the two-guard, but 
don't you feel like next year you'll still have enough guards to fill that position? Yeah, and they, you'll have yeah. Ashton and and I don't think I don't see Quade leaving and Tyrese. Well, so when, it's not like it's a must need position. You're right, and and that's that's the good news for Kentucky and the, why the Scotty Lewis, why UK really wanted him because they thought he'd be either kind of the forgotten piece of the starting five, and if you have Scotty Lewis as being like an afterthought for defenses, that's just an insane, insane yeah. luxury to have, or maybe even the sixth man. But Quade Green, good chance he returns. Ashton Hagens has always told me he wants to be a one-and-done. Now there's wanting and, and doing, so we'll see what kind of season he has, but he could he could return. Emmanuel quickly, I love his game, and, and, and he's really, really good, but he's just super steady. He's not really great in one area, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. NBA teams are looking for like somebody that is elite, elite at this, and maybe it's the athleticism or scoring or whatever it is. He's just so balanced across the board that I don't know if he'll jump out. So they will probably have some some guys return uh, for, for the guard position, but that's never really stopped Calipari from trying to load I- up, you know? It's funny because then I look at the 2020 class and the people he's recruiting there, and I'm like, is he over recruiting on the guard level? <laughs> it's it's a good problem to have because a lot of players want to end up at Kentucky. But then I start putting the pieces together, and I'm like, okay, well, if they don't get a Keon, if they don't get a Jaden McDaniels this year, it's fine. It's fine, you know. Um, but Jaden McDaniels, I don't even. He is such a toss up in his recruitment. His dad has done such a great job at keeping raps. Like I talked to him this summer, and what was interesting is he said. Jaden hasn't talked to any of the coaches. And when you talk to these kids, a lot of them are like, I want to build a good relationship with the coaching staff. I want a good relationship with this. And Jaden isn't even allowing, he's not even allowed the opportunity to talk to the coaches. So now that he has the top five, I don't even know if that's opened up and he's gotten to know a little bit more about the program and what they're about. Um, the fact that his brother returned to play, uh, I think San Diego State and Washington are the dark horses, but I would not ever, ever be surprised if a blue blood came in and stole him away because he is definitely a blue blood player. Yeah, that's for sure. And I want to ask a little bit more about his game because I I don't get to travel as much and, and get to see as much as these guys as as you do, and and I think he's just an interesting fit because he's. He, he plays like a guard, but he's not the fastest dude in the world, and he's got really good handles. But when you're six foot eight and you're dribbling the ball that high, it, it's and you're trying to play a guard position at college, it doesn't always work out as well as it can in the NBA. So I'm curious your thoughts on his game. But John Calipari did travel out to Seattle last night. He didn't tweet about it till like ten thirty or something. So he went to go see Jaden McDaniels. It's the second time in this uh, open period that he has gone out there to see him. It's an interesting list because San Diego State, obviously the the family connection there makes sense. Washington, the home school, that makes sense. Texas, Shaka Smart seems to always do a good job of just being able to get in with these random recruits every so often. He's a good recruiter and he's a good coach, so that makes sense. Yeah. UCLA, a, a, a blue blood, they've been... You know they haven't been what they what they would like to be, but still a basketball rich program. And then the only school east of the Mississippi is Kentucky, and it, it it seems like at least in these parts, people always talk about the James Wisemans and the Vernon Carries and all these other players. He's almost been an afterthought for recruiting analysts around here. But uh, so you're mm-hmm. saying you think Kentucky may have a, a a serious chance here? It's well, yeah, it's going to be an uphill battle, and it's probably encouraging that Cal has been up there twice because he's making he's pushing he's making a priority and the fact that I think that if he added you know like what you just said he has all those west coast schools and then oh Kentucky yeah. you know what I mean well Texas as well but 
it's it's basically telling Coach Cal and Kenny Payne, hey, you guys have a shot. Show us what you got. Show us a little more. Let's let's see a little bit more, you know. And I, I think that's encouraging for Kentucky fans, but it's going to be just like with Keon Brooks in Indiana, it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. Uh, then on on Jada McDaniel's game, what what do you make of it, and how do you see it translating to the college level wherever he ends up? Oh my gosh, he he will be the best part about Jaden's game is he isn't even as close to as good as he's going to get. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like he came out of nowhere this spring and just improved, 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 and then this past weekend, some of the things that he was doing you know, against guards, like his first step on the wing, like you would, you're right, he's 6'8", like you would think he wouldn't be able to be that skilled. It's nuts. It's crazy how quick it is. And then the way he can just finish in the lane, um, I don't know if you heard about like what happened when he played Khalil Whitney this summer, but the two of them kind of got in a little scuffle. Oh, I did not know that. Oh. Tell me me about it. (laughs) It was probably one of the best games of the summer. It was um, Seattle Rotary versus uh, Macaroon Fire, um, the last day of the July live period. So it was like the scene is playing out. And usually at the last day, like players just kind of go through the motions. Everyone, the coaches are tired, whatever. But no, this game was amazing. So right before the end of the first half, they kind of lock arms and then uh, they they get in this scuffle and uh, Khalil pushes Jaden and Jaden is about, well, looks like half his size because he's so skinny. Yeah. And he, instead of just turning around, walking away, turning the cheek, he like squares off with him. Whoa. And I'm like, whoa, okay, <laughs> okay. Jaden's got some fight in him. It was amazing. And then after 30 minutes, like, nobody was ejected because <laughs> the organizer of the event was like, uh, you see all these coaches right here? They're here to see these two players. So if you kick them out, they're all leaving. And I need these coaches here. You know, so it's yeah. like, okay, what do we do? And then like, three minutes later, they just resumed as is. And I'm like, oh, this is AAU basketball. It's fine. That is. That is classic AAU basketball. I did not know that. And honestly, it makes me respect Jaden McDaniels a little bit more because the times I have gotten to see him, I've thought he he's looked a, a little bit passive, and you can see yeah. a player on a bad night any time, and it, and you can't let that formulate your entire thought on a dude. But yeah, that that's been one concern I've had is if he had that fire. I like to hear, and I don't know if, if Khalil Whitney would be the dude you'd want to square up with. So that may say even more about Jaden McDaniels. I, know. I like that. That's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, well, that that is good to hear. Uh, my listeners would would unsubscribe to my podcast if I didn't get your opinion on Kentucky situations with the bigs in, in 2019 because they're going to lose their entire front court, yet they have zero big commits, and it's unclear if they even lead for any of their top targets. Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt will be on campus for Big Blue Madness this weekend. James Wiseman has already visited. UK has, has put in as much work in that recruitment than any other one that I can can ever think of. And then Isaiah Stewart seemed like Kentucky was in a great spot after the official visit. Now a lot of analysts are scrambling. If you could just give me you know, maybe a minute on each one where you think Kentucky stands in, in these recruitments. I know that's a lot that I just threw at you, Kristen. No. Oh, okay. Listen. <laughs> this, the How it's going to play out with these three bigs, James Wiseman, Vernon Carey, and Isaiah Stewart is one of the most interesting dynamics of like talented bigs I've seen in a while because it's going to be like a domino effect. One of them has to commit, and then the rest of the schools are going to scramble, 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 scramble. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah. for, for Kentucky to be in the mix with three of them, you would think, oh, those are great odds. But then you see the other schools that are also in the mix, and it's just 
it's crazy. It's none of it makes sense to me. Like in terms of like in the summer, I thought Michigan state was a lock for Vernon Carey and the coaches thought it was a lock. Do you know, and Miami is like rolling four deep to Vernon Carey's little brother's AAU game. <laughs> He's 13 and Miami sends four coaches to watch his brother play. So like the, the things that coaches are doing to get these players and get their attention is ridiculous. And now that's settled into the fall and visit, I think they're pulling back their curtain a little bit. Duke seems to be in a good spot with Vernon Carey at the moment. James Wiseman, you know, it's too close to call between Memphis and Kentucky. None of the other schools are even in the race. Like, let's not. He comes out with a top five. It's like, oh, okay, James. All right. And, five schools. and I like his top five were just the five places he's he had already publicly said where he was going to officially visit. Like, I, I would have yeah. wanted one of those schools to not make his top five, but he still followed through with the official visit that he had scheduled later that month. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. And, and I understand he doesn't want people to be like, yeah, it's just Memphis or Kentucky, because I'm sure he likes the options and he likes the attention and he, he, he likes to think in his head, maybe I can go somewhere else and surprise everybody. But no, he's not passing up on Memphis or Kentucky. It'll be one of those two. I agree with you. Yeah, and the thing with James is uh, it's like the opposite. He hates this process. He oh, really? hates it. Yeah, he just wants it all to be done with. He's over it. Like, he just wants to play, and he doesn't understand in his mind, like, why it's such a big deal, whether if he goes to this school or this school, and why he has to, like, play it out like this. He hates it. It's crazy. And then with Jay, or with um, Isaiah Stewart, obviously, I think um, – Washington and Kentucky are again like any time that Kentucky just comes out of nowhere and they're like, Oh, okay. They're not in my top list of schools. But I'm going to go take a visit anyways. That is a good scenario to have. I think, you know, with Kentucky, with him, um, Isaiah Stewart, it's, it's one of those. Okay. So you just went to Washington. They're in the pac 12. How many TV games are you going to get? Like yeah. you want to get exposure, come to Kentucky. Look what we've done with PJ Washington. Look how he's developed as a player. Look how much stronger he is. Do you know what I mean? Because I see a lot of similarities between Isaiah Stewart and P.J. Washington's game. Um, so, anyways, <laughs> that's, that's just my take on what the whole recruiting map in terms of them as a player. Um, everybody kind of has one and two interchangeable between Vernon Carey and James Wiseman. We have Vernon Carey as number one just because um, James, I mean, we saw at USA Basketball, he, he takes, games off and he, he takes camps off. So he played the first night and then just sat out yeah. with whatever, like, Oh, my knee hurts, you know? And like, if you're going to be the number one player in the country, you have to show it over and over and over again. And like, someone has to take it from you. And Vernon is just, I don't know anybody that can stop him in the lane. And that includes those two, Isaiah Stewart and James Wiseman. Like he is automatic once he gets the ball in the post. Um, and he's developing his outside shot, which is, you know, you have to as a big these days. Yeah. I would say out of the three of them, James Wiseman has the better outside shot for sure because he's more mobile. Um, and then with James's game, I think he gets up and down quicker on the court. He's a way better player to throw to in transition. His hands are better. Um, and he can step out, you know, past outside the wing um, and knock down those threes. I, I saw him in a game this year. Uh, he hit four threes, and I'm like, why is he shooting? Why is he shooting? Oh, okay, that went in. Oh, why is he shooting that again? I'm like, oh, oh, okay, this is like something he's added to his bag of arsenals. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and then Isaiah Stewart is just like a a pure post player. Like, have you seen him in person? I have. TJ? I have. Like, 
he's just a specimen. You're like, no high schooler should look like that. Like, it's unbelievable just how strong he's got those wide shoulders. Um, he, he reminds me a lot of DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, it sounded um, like you were about ready to call him a badass. You're a lot, it's a podcast. You're allowed to cuss. <laughs> yes, he is a badass. Yeah. But he's not, he's not like um, cocky about it, you know? Yeah. He's, he's just uh, confident. I don't know. I like, does, but he was another guy. Does he talk trash? Is how's his demeanor? Because Kentucky having, well, they they have this year. It's just Keldon Johnson is the biggest trash talker I think I've ever seen in in basketball, and, and and he's on Kentucky's team. Ashton Hagens talks a ton of trash. Quade Green talks Emmanuel. a ton of trash. Quickly, yeah. I mean, this team's going to be nuts. But it, it sounds like some of maybe the guys that they're they could have next year or maybe bring in next year could or trying to bring in next year could could do more of the same what's uh isaiah stewart's demeanor on the court in your opinion he's like uh i mean it's not in your face like yeah. scotty barnes trash talking yeah like where he's yelling and like and one but <laughs> you'll see him like whisper you know on the bait or on the free throw line like he'll he'll run his mouth or he'll say something. he'll find he'll find ways to get in to opponent's head for sure okay Sure. All right. Uh, well, I, I, I would I would ask you to make a prediction on on which big you think ends up at Kentucky, but we won't hold you to it. Do you want to just throw names out, see if they stick? I would say okay. This is I'll, I'll do the probability. Okay. Of <laughs> and we didn't even talk <laughs> Oscar. High? We didn't even talk Oscar Shubway, who who was not in Colorado this past weekend, but uh, but he is another Kentucky target that probably will be announcing here pretty soon. It seems like West Virginia has the inside track there. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be a Zion Williamson to Duke moment. Yeah, <laughs> if Kentucky got if Kentucky got him. Um, I would say biggest probability is obviously James Wiseman because it's fifty fifty with Memphis. I mm-hmm. think the longer it goes on, the better chance Kentucky has. Yeah. Um. So we'll see how that plays out, and then I would go Isaiah Stewart, and then I would go Vernon Carey. Okay. I don't. Yeah. Okay. That's just from. And, what I'm hearing, and I know Hurt is more of a you know a, a stretch four, maybe even a wing. You think Kansas the team to beat for Matthew Hurt? I have no idea. Okay, Matt's recru- Matt is a genius at saying a lot in interviews and not saying anything at all. Mm-hmm. And but even it's an art. Like, it's an art to be honest. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you where Matt is not going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> from talking to his dad and the fact that I live in Los Angeles and UCLA is kind of on his list. Okay. His dad is like, that traffic out there is horrible. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, dad doesn't like UCLA. Yeah, the traffic, it can keep, it can keep people away, I suppose. But, uh, yeah. yeah, we won't hold you to that, and things always change in, in recruiting. You, you get uh, as many sit-down interviews for rivals as anybody. I can. Has anybody ever just, like, told you, like, hey, don't tell anybody, but this is where I'm going, like, off the record, before you've done an interview or after you've done an interview? We did an interview, so I knew Wendell Moore was committing on Monday, and I said to him on Friday night, I said, hey, Wendell, we can either, you know, sit through this interview and bullshit, you know, what other three schools that you're interested in, or you can just tell me where you're going, and I'll hold on to the interview until Monday, and I'll release it after you announce. And he's like, okay, yeah, let's do that. So, Oh, that's shot, fun. Well, good for him. I shot, like, a commitment video for Duke on Friday, and then... Lisa on Monday, and then one of the one of the comments on on like the YouTube page was like, oh, "Okay, so y'all knew he was going to Duke, 
you know, days before he announced and he didn't tell us, cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's funny. Because he oh. says, like, USA Basketball. Yeah. Back. Well, that's, that's good stuff. You, uh, you, you you do great videos for Rivals.com. I'm surprised that place is still afloat since I left. Are you surprised by that, Kristen? Um, I mean, <laughs> you're like you're like you left. You're like you left. You left Rivals. I didn't even know that you. <laughs> no, I didn't know you worked no. for Rivals. Uh, it's no. not the same. Yeah, it's definitely not the same oh, without that's, you. That's nice of you to lie to me on my own podcast. But uh, we had <laughs> we had David Siscon, who's now working for Cats Illustrated. I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him or not. Yeah, I know Dave. He, he's doing great work for Cats Illustrated. Their subscribers are like, yes, thank you. That's a great trade, TJ for David. I love it. We had him on last week. He did a great job. But I miss everybody at Rivals. I I think you all do. Uh, the best work out there, and, and and you specifically with the videos and the highlight videos, and, and Kristen, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking recruiting, and hopefully we'll have you on in the future. Would love that. Thank you, TJ. Okay, Kristen Peak Rivals dot com. She's run a marathon on every continent. At KP underscore on Rivals. Make sure you're following her because again, if you want to see highlight videos of these dudes. Uh, She is the person to follow and just all-around good tweets. So, Kristen, thank you and have a good day, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All righty. All right, good stuff, wasn't it, Nick? That was just fantastic. But all we did was we just did that first segment paused it, did the the interview, which we had already done. No, so TJ, We're stop. literally you can't, just talking you can't just tell right people, before. You can't tell people how the sauce you is haven't made. Even, you haven't even heard the Kristen interview, and you just said it was good. Well, the thing is, though, is I've, I've worked with her at the Peach Jam before, and she's like the most – most recruiting people aren't so helpful, but she is. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. I, I, I kind of wanted to almost be like, man, maybe I just would have done the whole episode with her and – and then just kick me out. Well, no, but yeah, just, just yeah, yeah, kick you out. <laughs> but I actually did cross my mind, like, man, we've already gone so long. I wonder if I can just start. You know, we'll do the questions together, and then that'll be the whole episode. Uh, that was good. We'll have her back on. I enjoyed that, and hopefully you did too. But Nick, hit me with some questions. Let's get to it because I uh, got to get to the annex too at some point. I've got to hit you like in the face. Something about your face. It's just something about cha- your face. Can you change it? Um, Clint so? is. Asking what's going on with Stewart. Brian Snow changes pick to Washington, and Michigan State has had a big run of projections. So, you know, the weird thing about Stewart, which is something you don't really get from other – it seems like this has gone against the grain. Supposedly his dad is, like, the one pushing Kentucky. His dad is, yeah, we want him to go to U.K., we want him to go to U.K. However, it's other people around him, coaches, hey, UK, I don't know exactly who. They're pushing other schools. So – Washington, their head coach, Hopkins, was the assistant or the coach-in-waiting at Syracuse. Syracuse, And he's from Rochester, New York, so there's a little bit of a relationship there. He has officially visited Washington. Kristen brought up some good points about Washington, like, you know, are you really going to go play out? Like, how many people are going to go see your games at 1030 at night on the East Coast? Is that really something that you'd be interested in doing? Yeah, but they do have – Worked out for Markel Fultz. They do have cool uniforms, though. Purple and gold, great combination. I'm also a fan of purple and gold. Gold? Gold. gold. <laughs> I had something the, in my throat. That, that gold, though. That, that was the only reason. <laughs> I, I was kind of getting excited. I thought you were going to do a, a Louisville City chant. Louisville City. Here we go. Yeah. Hey, if, if if there ever is an NBA team in this city of ours, it needs to be purple. I'm a big fan of purple. If not, I've decided it needs to be like the Yellow Jackets. Just a, a tip of the cap to, uh, to Ali. Oh, so you're just basically just saying pretty much any color at this point no either black and yellow because those can be fire or purple and something but i don't know how you can incorporate purple into 
a cool lake. Uh, if, if Louisville gets an NBA team, it's going to be they're going to be the Colonels and they're going to be Navy and Red. That won't happen. I don't think they'd do that. It will. You're not going to happen. Oh, got me. Um, uh, so Stewart, it, I don't know why. I think people honestly. So here's what I think is going to happen with Stewart. I think you're going to hear about him scheduling a Michigan State official visit, and I think that had a lot of people scrambling to pick Michigan State because Michigan. A lot of people thought Michigan State was the leader before Kentucky got back in the picture, and I think people are thinking, okay, well, he didn't commit after the Kentucky visit. Things have kind of stayed quiet. If he takes a Michigan State official visit, I think that's probably the rumblings up there is that that's going to happen. I think a lot of people are just saying, all right, I want to get on it before everybody else gets on it, and that ultimately may be what he decides to do. You had a few Washington picks as well. Uh, Brian Snow of, of 24-7 Sports, he's connected in that area. He, st- he lives in, in Indianapolis, which isn't too far away from La Lemire. He was all about uh, Stewart going to Kentucky. Maybe he feels like the dad's not going to win out. And uh, but Evan Daniels still foggy on his pick, so I guess you know stay tuned to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I still think Kentucky's got a chance with him. He posted some pictures of him and Khalil Whitney and Tyrese Maxey and and that sort of deal. So I still think Kentucky has a chance at Isaiah Stewart. I don't. I, I the latest buzz though is kind of hard to to predict. You, you know, one thing you'll notice about the crystal ball is a lot of piggybacking. Somebody will see somebody do it. They'll text them. Why'd you do that? Well, I heard something that makes it, this school look like it's going to be the the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Well, and everybody runs and follows along. So yeah. I wouldn't panic just too much about it, but uh, I do think you'll hear about another official visit for him. If he doesn't take another official visit, though, I still think Kentucky's in a good spot. He's only took taken two visits, so something to keep an eye on. Right, something what else we got? to keep an eye on. Um, Chad wants to know, is Jaden McDaniels that good? He's rated top five, but I'm not overly impressed. What makes him legit? Am I missing something? Yeah, and you, you just heard from uh, – from Kristen more on Jaden McDaniel's game because she knows more about him than I do. My biggest issue, which we addressed just earlier in the interview, was he just kind of seemed passive. Like he seemed like a dude that was playing basketball for fun, not for a livelihood. He loves to be a basketball player. He doesn't love basketball. Yeah, there. I love that saying. Yeah, there you go. Is that a Freddie saying? Yeah. Okay. He for football. All right. Yeah. Freddie with KSR. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but to hear him, you know, almost square up with, with Khalil Whitney, I thought was hilarious, and that shows a little bit of fire. Supposedly, he played with a little bit more energy at USA Basketball. Um, that was always my biggest issue with him. The dude is complete. The dude is really skilled. Uh, he's he's just he's a little like out of place. He's he's not fast enough to be a guard, and he's not strong enough to be a big. So he's got to be a wing. And Calipari is selling him and Keon Brooks on being Kevin Knox like players, where. If they got Jaden McDaniels or Keon Brooks, and I think Jaden McDaniels is more likely, although I don't think it's probably going to happen. John Calipari did go visit him on Tuesday night, and I think you're going to hear about an official visit here pretty soon. But I do think that if you got Jaden McDaniels, you'd, you'd just put him out there and see, all right, where does he mesh? You know, we'll figure out a spot for him because he can shoot. He can do a lot of different things. I don't know how exactly it would work, but it, he's a nice piece where you'd want to have to figure it out. As you go. Do so you think um, he's a good player though? I wouldn't have him in my top five. I think I'd still have him a little outside of my top ten. But he's legit. He's so versatile. Is he um does he have like the Kevin Knox face where it doesn't look like he's trying, but like he probably is. It just is his he doesn't uh, something about his face. Yeah, yeah. It, you uh, know. I, yeah. I mean it's just he and sometimes for players things will come so easy to them that it that the way they do it looks easy and it's not just because they're half-assing it. 
It's because they've just almost mastered their craft in some areas. And and Jaden McDaniel is far from a finished piece. But I think that's some of it. It's just everything comes so naturally and easy to him that he can kind of go through the motions and still be fine. Uh, I'd like to see him pushed a little bit more, and we will at the college level. We'll see. I I still don't think he ends up at Kentucky. But Calipari going out to the West Coast twice, that's not an easy flight. That's not a short flight. Nope. That uh, you know that that says something about Kentucky and, and what they think maybe they can do here. But he, but official visit probably coming soon. What else we got? Um, David wants to know: Do you think the USA basketball helps the recruits like when they're playing together to see if they can play together at yeah, the next level? Definitely, I, I think that's that's big, uh, and and, and it, it just gives kids more time to hang out and talk, get a feel for each other off the court as much on the court. But you don't always get that in AAU unless the dudes play on the same team. Because right. when they're going to AAU events, they can have some time where they will talk to each other, but it's pretty short and, and, and few and far between. But most of the time, they'll be playing with against each other on the court, and it's kind of tough to see how you mesh with guys. You can be you can be impressed by somebody that you're playing against. You can think, oh, my gosh, she'd be a fun person to play with instead of playing against. But you don't really get the connection of how things work together. You, that, is one, and, 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 that is one positive of the USA experiences. Kristen talks about how she she likes AAU a lot better. I get that. I understand it. But having these guys being able to play with one another will help them in their recruitment. So not, that's not necessarily a, a positive for Kentucky. This year I think it is because Khalil Whitney and Tyrese Maxey were out there. But it's a positive for the kids to be able to know who, who works well together. I do think it, it, it doesn't necessarily – equate to a commitment though because uh, the, one of the reasons why I was so shocked Zion went to Duke was because him and Quickly were very close um, not just because they were on the same AAU circuit but they did if it was an Adidas kind of thing they were like roommates together yeah. like the Adidas Nations thing um, I think they both did USA Basketball too so like they weren't on that same Cal Perry team Quickly just was but th- there are times when you like think like man it feels like it's two peas in a pod but for whatever reason that one didn't work out yeah. All right. What else uh, we got? Um, Big Blue Steve just wants us to get to pick who's going to be the next UK commit. Ooh, let me go first because I think the easy, the odds-on favorite would just be Oscar Shoeboy. Yeah. Just from like a timing perspective. Because yeah. Kentucky already has four. Which, by the way, Duke only they got, just got their first in the class. Yeah, they they've they've struggled a little bit. Uh, but Wendell Moore is a, a good player. That's a good start for him. But he's not like a. Oh my God, he's not an RJ Barrett or Zion Williamson right, right. or Cameron Reddish or he, he's he's going to be a role player for them, which is fine. You got to have role players. We'll see. I don't know what they're going to do with guards and wings for Duke. They're probably just going to get guys to come back, but uh, they, they're still trying to go after their bigs. And Vernon Carey is the big one for them. But Wendell Moore going to Duke, good commitment for them, but nothing that's going to be like, oh my gosh, Duke's going to be a powerhouse. Not yet, not yet. Yeah. So that's Kentucky's got a lot of. I feel like most of these guys. Um, like, it's just a ways away yeah, if for most of their process. If you're playing the odds, I think that, you know, Shoeboy, I'd say he's like 60-40 West Virginia, Kentucky right now. But since he's announcing soon, that would be the smart gambler's pick. Mm-hmm. I think Isaiah Stewart doesn't take too much longer to announce. I think he, he – I don't know if he signs in the fall, but I think he commits in the fall. And then I think you also see uh, – James Wiseman and Vernon Carey, they both say they want to get their recruitments over with. I think those are going to be a little bit later. But, um, you know, I don't know how it all shakes out with those guys, but I do feel pretty solid about Kentucky getting a few of those players. Uh, Jack Grossman asks, is mayonnaise an instrument? Uh, Jack Grossman, former Big Exports Radio intern. Is it intern Jack? It's intern Jack. Yeah, he's the traitor to Big Big X, isn't he? Wow. Isn't that that 
Fair, uh, correct. He's an IU student. He, he. I don't think he's going to be listening to this podcast. So yes, absolute traitor. good, absolute, absolute traitor. The worst kind. I do. TJ, can you just run through who's going to Big Blue Madness though? Because I have no idea. Yeah, I'm working on a finalized list, but you're going to have Vernon Carey there. You're going to have Matthew Hurd, R.J. Mm-hmm. Hampton in 2020 is a big name. Christian Lander in 2020 is a big name. Your boy Dante Allen, who he's been. I've been told he's been stopping by practices every so often. That's got to so, be a nice advantage. It is a he's huge only advantage. like an hour and a half away. And it's going to really help him Grow. next year yeah. because he's going to be able to see the practices, know what Calipari wants from from day one where other guys are going to have to kind of go through the motions a little bit more. It's a big advantage for Dante Allen, and it's going to help to be able to get him there to, to be able to recruit and whatnot. So that's who we've got right now. There will be a lot more, and there's a few guys that I'm forgetting at this moment. But uh, I, I do think that that you're going to have another unbelievable event. Huge opportunity for Kentucky with Matthew Hurt and Vernon Carey. I think Kentucky's in a good spot with with both of them, but like in a really good spot with Vernon Carey where maybe he's still going to go take all his other official visits. I think maybe you can you can make him know that Kentucky's the place for him this weekend. And then Matthew Hurt, I think you can maybe – that there could still be some more shaking and moving in that recruitment, but I think you can get Kentucky maybe to the near top of his list if that visit goes well and everything clicks with him the way that Kentucky hopes it does. But uh, I like huge that, opportunity. Um, one th- like in the when Cal first got here, a lot of the just pyrotechnics and stuff that was the big recruiting draw. I like now that they're doing the um, they're having the quote unquote family reunion. Have you, have you seen the graphics for that where they're inviting former players to come back for Big Blue Madness? Yes. I think that that's like – I feel like that's a, a very negative, easy negative recruiting pitch is they don't care about their players. They're just trying to get them to the NBA and get them out of there. Well, and I, I think that debunks a lot of that. And it really plays to the parents um, yeah. who want to be able to trust the guys that they're handing their kids off to. Yeah. So. Any other questions? Should we no, move on to the let's, annex? let's go to the annex. All right, let me see. Uh, Keon Brooks, by the way, I agree with Kristen. I think he's going to go to Indiana. He will officially visit UK October 20th and be on the lookout for a Jaden McDaniels official visit announcement uh, here shortly. Nice. All right, to the annex we go. All right, welcome to the Annex, a podcast within a podcast, and this is our office review podcast. That's why it's called the Annex. We're going to review every episode of The Office, starting with the first one, and for the first time in Hardly Committed slash The Annex history, we're jumping around. Uh I feel dirty. I don't like it. I don't like it, but we got to do it because uh, twofold. Why we're jumping around is we're going to do Halloween episodes in October, yeah. and we're going to do Christmas episodes in December. In November, we'll get back to our normal. We'll do. We'll get back to our normal path. We'll do Thanksgiving episodes. I think there's a Toby says that he's a lucky turkey in one of them. Yeah, the only show I know that really plays up Thanksgiving, New Girl. New Girl that that was their go-to you was watch, Thanksgiving you watch episodes. New Girl? Great show. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Have you seen it? No. I Generally, just watch good shows like The Office. So. Yeah, you're an idiot. Watch it. It's a great show. Oh, oh good. Uh, good yeah, I'm telling you, it's a great, it's a great sitcom to burn time once you finish The Office. Yeah, I'm out on that, unfortunately. Sure. But uh, so we're gonna do October episodes, Halloween episodes, and this, and I'm gonna try to go in chronological order, at least within the Halloween episodes. But there's a huge jump from the Halloween episode to this one. 
And this one is the Here Comes Trouble. It's the last Halloween episode. This is, uh, no, it's not. Yeah, it is. Because it's the last season of The Office. Oh, well, then I messed that up with yeah. chronological orders. Yeah. Because the, the one we're doing next week, Michael's around. Okay, here's he what fights I did. No, 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 you're right. Here's what I did. I did. You did the most I recent. No, I, no, no. Here's what I did. I ranked them in terms of the best Halloween The goodness, episodes. yeah. Yes. And how, Here Comes Trouble is, is kind of the worst. Oh, the worst. I was going to say. Compared to the next two. So, in, my, in my personal rankings. Okay. So we're going to have Spook, the one with Robert California, where he finds everybody's fears yes, next week. That's good. And then the one, the, the last the catwalk one, one, is going to be the costume contest. Yes. Very yeah. good one. Um, costume I'll, contest is the best. I will say that this episode might be the last time we see good Andy Bernard. He spirals out of control after this uh, one. I think this is like the the start of bad Andy Bernard. That's what, but yeah, that's what I mean. But like, this was the last time where I still enjoyed it because his um, the thing I hate about the last season of The Office is the, the very beginning of the storylines that they foster in this episode. It's Andy just turns into somebody he's not. Where he's like his insecurities with his family become just like uh, an obsession, and then. With Jim and Pam, there's the the weird him doing the athlete thing, and like yeah. it's just it's just weird, and that's why the last season stunk. The season yeah, eight, okay. First off, no no season of The Office stunk. There's some that are better than others, yeah, and worse than others. But this one, you're right about that. of the two without Michael, this one's much worse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still did just I loved who they brought in for this episode, and I, before we get on, on to, do, what are your thoughts on Aaron and Nellie? Because they're the two that kind of come in towards the end. Well, I just would like some general thoughts. Uh, I like I like Erin, but I feel like some episodes they use her incorrectly. Because uh, that's when the office, towards the end, they start to have some like character identity issues. Sometimes Erin is this like strong, independent girl, woman that has been through you know being a foster child and all that sort of sort of stuff, and that's pretty inspiring and then there's other times she's just like the doofus and a goober and in this one she is like the the strong and i like i like the strong one better yeah uh, i like aaron as a character nelly i could i could probably do with nelly i don't know why they just brought her back like that like she was fine in the florida episodes and that was just keep her there i agree yeah they should have just dropped her there i do think her costume was hilarious. i think like she, i think she actually is pretty good in this episode yeah I don't like, you know, the pill thing was like a storyline I probably could have done without. It was a weird, like, with mental health awareness. It was. <laughs> and it's like. And I, and I hate it at the end, her Dr. White was like, I'll take some. Like, most, that was just like a little too, like, dri- driving nose. home your message, you know, yeah. of like, mental health, everybody suffers. <laughs> and Dwight's like, I'll take some pills too, please. They, they should have had the NBC logo streak across. The more you know. Yeah, it really should. They, they should have. Um I didn't like that. I but I but I there was some laughs. Like when, how funny is it when Toby goes to like give her flowers and then she takes the Toby wig off and he like the, does he does he get mad because she has the longer hair or or did she turn him down and that's why he's slamming the flowers against the wall? Good question. I'm gonna respond with another question. Has Toby ever been laid besides his wife? <laughs> Maybe a snowman? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Bone champ. Uh, I'm, I'm saying no. Uh, Toby gets shot down a lot. A and lot. it's kind of an underrated part. Ooh. And borderline a little creepy for it? HR to be going and maybe trying to kiss somebody because they're dressed like you. 
he has definitely been laid because he caught the bouquet at a wedding and got kissed by his date. Remember that one? Oh, the girl from the gym who's actually pretty hot. Yeah. Wait, 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 whose wedding was that? Was that wasn't Jim and Pam's, was it? I don't know. But he's like, yeah, Toby. Win-win for Toby. <laughs> so, yeah, he has been laid. Yeah, we still don't know that for sure. But, <laughs> but okay, fair fair point. Good job, Nick. That that, that was good. Uh, but still, Toby, a little creepy. Puts yeah. his hand on Pam's leg in that one episode. Ooh, tries yeah. to kiss Nellie in this episode. Not a good look for the for the Tobester. Is anybody listening ever have an office that has more relationships or even comparable amount of relationships as this office? Everybody is seemingly trying to screw and get with everybody in this office. Yeah, I think um, – Maybe in like a, like a large setting as a hospital, there would be some, but not in like a Grey's Anatomy way where it's just every, like you said, everybody's dating everybody. But I think like in just a general, there's a lot different size and like the hierarchy isn't as much. Like most yeah. people are just nurses or like technicians and then there's a handful of doctors. Because Nellie almost gets with Dwight and Todd Packer and debatably both at the same time. Yeah. Devil's like everybody, drinking game. who who in the office is somebody that doesn't hook up with somebody in the office or the oh, office complex? I think it's only Stanley. I was about ready to say Oscar, but Oscar is making out with um, the, Lipton, the senator, senator Lipton at the end of this episode. Um, Angela Scrooge, Kevin. Kevin Fawn. Kevin, Kevin and Stanley. Kevin and Stanley. Oh, so, uh, the, so the big guys can't get any office love. Yeah. What's the, what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, class. I mean, I guess Phyllis Vance or Phyllis yeah, but, Lappin. but Bob is in the in the same complex. That's true. Um, That's even, it. even Clark and Aaron start messing. No, not Clark. Plop. Yeah. Is it right. Pop and Aaron start having a thing at the end. Clark doesn't, but he's a new guy, which I really like that guy. And just in general, he's a, he's he he is a good addition. I like Clark, but the only thing I don't like about him is the episode where he's trying to get Aaron to come over in like night dresses and film her. That that was that was a horrible storyline yeah. for a likable character to basically try to seduce a girl to come over and change outfits and like I guess this was his play to try to get with her because he didn't want anybody else to come. Incredibly long play for a very creepy. That was weird. Unlikely outcome. That, that's what. That's what they got a little weird towards the end. They did get weird. And um, but I do think that this is a stone cold, rock solid, awesome episode without Michael Scott. And one of my favorite, and I mean this, one of my favorite starts to an episode with the pumpkin head. <laughs> Hilarious, and a little, a little showing that I did my homework here. How early in October did Dwight do this prank? Because there's no decorations when he does this prank. Now, afterwards, there's decorations everywhere uh-huh. when the episode starts. So that makes me think that he's doing this in early October. Well, that's how you surprise him. And you Aaron, at least expect it. And Aaron scream when when he like surprises her the first time. It's hilarious. She she freaks the she freaks the fuck out. You know? <laughs> She's scream and and then uh, so at my Halloween party last year. One of my buddies dressed up as Dwight with the pumpkin head. <laughs> Did he have the brown suit too? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Uh, re- remind me to tweet out a picture. Somebody listening, and I will because it. He won the costume contest first. I, like I'm the judge. I'm the sole judge in the costume contest. So you have to play to so me. So you're basically like uh, you're, you're so a like, dictator. Well, it's my Halloween party, so I oh, get to. So there's do, nobody else that gets a vote. No. And I, but I have the best judgment in terms of cool Halloween costumes. And he played to 
chill. He, pl- <laughs> he, he played. He played he really, to the judge. He did play it up. He played that, to the judge. That was wise of him. Uh, and it was hilarious. Like he, you couldn't understand what he was saying. He did, you know, he, he like he. I think he maybe took it off one time. He found a way to like be able to drink beer somehow through it. And uh, and then he went to the bars with it on, and I did not go to the bars. Oh. But uh, we got pictures of it, and it's like him like dancing with this girl with the pumpkin <laughs> head on, and it's the funniest thing in the world. So that is one of my favorite openings. I, I really episode. like that they uh, they play up the part when Jim's like he's, he's flipping the knife around, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they put it they put a pumpkin on like a dummy person in it with a baseball bat. Yeah. It's like Dwight, just just rip it apart. Like there's there, there'd be a million ways to be able to get that yeah. thing open without him. Like pumpkins are not that sturdy. But. And, I li- and I like that he's just like pumpkin should rot off in a couple. Of- <laughs> <laughs> he sounds so sad. Yeah, a couple of weeks, but he goes through the entire day wearing the pumpkin hat. Yeah, yeah. It's, you see him leaving. He like <laughs> <laughs> he's driving home. Oh with a man. Hat. Oh boy, that he was probably, one of my favorite star- favorite starts in an episode. Man, very good. Um, and this this show in general, part of the reason why I like it so much is it features two of my new favorite songs. So like, you know, in different eras they come in and out of style. I used to, I used to, my taste used to really be anti 80s, but now I'm very pro 80s. And probably one of the best jams in all of jam history is Culture Club's Karma Chameleon. And when the show opens with, oh man, it just, it, I'm like Clark, just like, yeah, it was awesome. Let's do it. That That's me when they do Karma Chameleon. And their other jam is George Michael's Faith, which I don't know how I didn't really know that song before, but uh, upon watching another great show, The Goldbergs, they really play up faith in one episode. So now when it comes on, I just, I'm shaking it, man. Yeah. I'm getting down to some George Michaels. And this episode features it all. It's awesome. All right, there's a few other moments, and I'll, I'll jump since you brought that up. The Here Comes Trouble, uh, they sound really good. Yes. I like, by the way, also, Dwight mailing it in with the Halloween costume. Yeah. I like to think that the pumpkin head was such a scare for him that he was like, I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm just going to do the pig nose here. Yeah. Uh, but he he completely mails it in. Jim does as he always does. Too cool. I'm Jim. Too cool to wear a costume until the very end. Well, still too cool. Yeah. Uh, but the you have uh, here comes trouble. They sound really good. Dwight is like closing his ears while listening to him, <laughs> which is hilarious. And then you have Clark, who is being a huge suck up. Do you notice this moment? When he's, there's no way that you all are making this magic with your mouth. And then right in the background, you have to look for it. Creed goes, that's what she said. It's <laughs> no, hilarious. It is it. hilarious. This is also the one where he just, Creed just shows up and he's like, oh, I didn't realize today was Halloween. Yeah, that's and a, he's that's covered a, that's in that's blood. That's so bullshit. That's so bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> just think of the odds, though, if Creed did kill somebody and was like, I don't, I'm homeless. I don't have any clothes. This is what I have to wear into the office. And if I don't go to work, then I won't have an alibi. So I'm just going to, you know what? I'm just going to roll the dice and show up super bloody. Uh, Creed, if it wasn't Halloween, man. It's a funny joke, though. Come on. Just oh, laugh at it. No, it is hilarious. Yeah, I love it's, it. It's absolutely but, hilarious. But the thing is, I think Creed made his costume like that, and I thought it was really good. Yeah. I, I, I like to think a few like big picture things in the office. I like, I like to think at least once an episode, Michael Scott is just stoned out of his mind. Oh, yeah, because he's out in Colorado now. No, 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 no. I'm talking about every – no. Oh, he's not he's, in this episode. Right, that's what I mean. But you mean like I mean, in, in the middle of In the of middle it. of an episode, he'll do something that I'm just like – I mean, only somebody stoned to bejesus would do something <laughs> like that. Uh, I, I, I also like to think that Creed is a genius. 
Creed is like the smartest guy in the office, and everything he does and everything he says is calculated. Ooh. So he's like a sadistic, like... Yeah. And I think like this was just like a, a joke that he knew would, would play with people in the office. It, it, that, that sort of... And, you know, the comments he makes to the camera crew, I think, are calculated. Uh, it, I mean, shit, when he gets arrested, he has like, what, grade... Grade A military weapons or something, on, or like for back in the day. I think Creed is a genius. That's another one. But look for that quote if you go back and watch this episode because it is hilarious. Yes. Uh, and then another thing I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. the fight between Jim and Pam. First off, do you notice when Jim says he's going to offer $10,000, the other people at his table? First off, the, the the black guy that's in Veep is like one of my favorite. Is it, quickly that, that's becoming, where he's from. Yeah, he's okay. quickly becoming he's in a one couple of my favorite actors. But uh, – but do you notice at the table after he says the $10,000, they nobody looks even excited? Yeah. Makes you wonder. Like, Jim was probably actually in the wrong here. We give Pam a hard time. Point for Pam, Jim should not have donated or should not have invested $10,000 when they seemingly didn't even need it. Yeah. And I do like they get in the argument over the Monster Mash. And yeah. Kevin is so intrigued by the idea. You know, in the song, the Mo- Monster Mash, there is not one indication that this is a Halloween monster mash. This monster mash could be could be in July. Oh. It could be in June. So I agree with Pam. You do not have to play monster mash at a Halloween concert because <laughs> there's no there's no guarantee that it is even a Halloween song. They don't even mention Halloween. Mm. It's just monsters getting out and, and getting together and getting down and getting dirty. So those are two other little tidbits. Such a great song that, that jumped out. Um, I will say. T- uh, in the actual, like, like the main plot line is just Andy trying to be Mr. Cornell. Here comes trouble. Which, by the way, Daryl and all of them just like, you were in, you went to Cornell? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, that, that's really good. You did acapella? Yeah. Um, which is fantastic. But the whole, like, argument with him and Broccoli Rob, there's no p- more perfect person to be Broccoli Rob than Stephen Colbert. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure this was in the middle of Colbert's transition from the rapport to the late night show, which... I kind of, like, he's good at it, but I just don't care for late-night talk shows. But I, I was appointment television with the rapport. I thought he was so funny on that. But this, the being the Broccoli Rob guy, I digress, it was just perfect because they, they had this giant screen, which I've never noticed. I, 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 is the that, flat screen? Yeah. Yeah, looks the, new. Yeah, it looked very new. Now, granted, that could have been a development because you remember the old box TV that used to bounce around the screen, the and old screensaver. I get so jealous at the office because they never have any tech technology issues anytime they need to have like a conference call anytime that they need to like do a web stream or something like everything goes smoothly yeah never that's not the way it ever works in the real world (laughs) but like it's so funny because andy starts doing the the george michael dance like on cue and then you just hear colbert in the background is that gotta have twice (laughs) (laughs) so funny so like the way they both dance (laughs) like you have uh, you have Andy dressed as George Michaels, like swinging his hips right in front of like Pam and people, and they're just yeah. like, "What are you doing, you weirdo?" Uh, and then <laughs> I like the the moment where he's he's trying to get the here comes trouble guys to just ask him questions to make him feel like he's important. Yeah. He's like, "I got you guys got Q's, I got A's." Do you have AIDS? Do you have AIDS? <laughs> no, I don't have AIDS. Uh, but Aaron's a very good girlfriend in this episode. She realizes, I think this is when she starts to realize that, like, yeah, I don't want to be with like, Andy. Yeah, you, you can't, there's, there's a line about, like, yeah, you don't love somebody until you lose respect for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, boner champ. It is weird that Broccoli Rob would try to steal the Boner Champ name and Faith. Like, what is wrong with Broccoli? Like, Broccoli Rob, although Andy's incredibly annoying, Broccoli Rob may be worse. 
Man, I, so oddly enough, like, you know how you'll wake up and something odd will be in your head? Mm-hmm. The, um, the part where they're arguing and Broccoli Rob looks down and he goes, um, <laughs> he, uh, he said, uh, I, I can't even think of the name. It's like Terry Savino said, you got pipes. <laughs> Trey Estagio. Trey Estagio, yes. That was in my head this morning. Yeah. Trey Estagio, and I quote, you got pipes. No, you, you got great pipes because he, he doesn't want to – he wants to do a, a – he, he gets to pick Sing 12 off. alumni, he gets to pick 12 <laughs> alumni, and, and he's not a, even – Broccoli Rob's not even going to warm up. And Andy says, well, if you don't warm up, you're, you're going you're gonna to thrash your pri- pipes. <laughs> he's got primo pri- pipes because Trey Estagio said it. Yeah, it's, oh, uh, it's really good. It's a good episode. What do you think of uh, Oscar's electoral college dinosaur costume? I, I didn't, getting a little political. I didn't really get the, the electoral college dinosaur. Like, like it's, it's old as a dinosaur? Yeah, it's like old and outdated. Need to get rid uh, of it. Yeah. No. He always tries the rational consumer, his his Halloween costume. Yeah. It's classic Oscar. Also, uh, I love that they just go to make out town outside of the warehouse. Yeah, and while he's in his costume. While I, he's in his costume. Yeah, I know he has to like, kiss him inside of the dinosaur head. The senator and Nancy Reagan look, too. Like They both pulled that off. Yeah, it was a good look. Yeah. It really was. I liked... Uh, I liked Kevin's Charlie I think, Brown. I think, I think he inspired uh, my Halloween costume. I think I might go as, as Ch- good old Chuck Brown. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's a pretty lazy costume. See, and I'm a lazy guy. But it's but it's a good lazy. And the wife really it's like likes better than like Men in Black. Yeah, the wife really likes Snoopy too. So Is she gonna be Snoopy. Yeah. Last year we went. There was eight of us that we went as the Mario Kart game. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's kind of a classic. It's yeah. been, been played out. But yeah. Oh good. oh, Mr. Halloween over here. What were you? I was Bowser. Who was Wario? Uh, Trastagio? No, no. My friend Jacqueline. Wario's the best. Wow, that's a horrible take. Donkey best. Kong. Wario's the best. Donkey Kong or Yoshi? I'll beat any listener here in N64 Mario Kart with Wario, and it will not be close. Where's your map? Anywhere. Uh, Koopa but- Troopa is undoubtedly the best beach, though, or best map. Because there's a couple different uh, shortcuts that kind of really throw a wrench in at things. If you Make wanna, it a lot of fun. If you want to separate the the good from the bad, meet me at Bowser's Castle. Isn't there multiple? No. Or is that, I'm thinking of the Wii. Yeah, I think you're thinking of Wii Wii. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're out of time. We uh, are. That was fun. Yeah, it was kind of weird Thanks bouncing for out around, but I, I like it. It was, yeah. We're introducing characters that we won't get to for a long time, but uh, that's fine. More Halloween episodes next week and the following week to get you up to the big spooky holiday. This has been Ooh. Hardly Committed and the Annex. And Halloween's on a Wednesday. Yeah, it's exciting. A Hardly Committed day. Oh, Hardly Committed. Oh, oh. Uh, we'll be back to talk Big Blue Madness and what happens there and all that fun stuff next week. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. Please get, leave a review. See you later. TJ Walker, Nick Rush. Should I stay or should I go now? Should I stay or should I go now?